Hi, this is Maddie, and you are listening to Beyond the Paper. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Ryder Lester. Welcome to the studio today. Pleasure to be here. It's fantastic to have you. Your paper looks at childhood admissions into hospitals in relation to sporting injuries. What sparked your interest in this area? Uh, well, I, I, I guess I have a pretty long background in, in, in sports injury research, so it's a natural extension from uh, what I did my PhD on in combat sports injuries um, and uh, continue on in the injury epidemiology research world since then. Um, and this was just a really great opportunity to get my hand on one of the biggest data sets uh, ever produced in Australia when it comes to sports injuries in children. Um, so, yeah, very exciting opportunity to um, sort of create the most uh, uh, up-to-date, comprehensive um, um, uh, data set when, uh, when it comes to the burden of sports injuries in children in Australia today. Fantastic. Could you tell us a little bit about how you were able to gain those numbers and records for your paper? Sure. Uh, so it's a, it's a 10-year study uh, looking at uh, all hospital admissions uh, in all eight states and territories across the country um, uh, in all children uh, under 16 or 16 and below, I should say. Um, so uh, we're looking at uh, hospitals. Uh, we linked that those data with uh, with uh, mortality records, so we uh, could figure out which of those poor little kids uh, end up uh, dying as a result of the sports injuries as well. And um, yeah, in terms of uh, the outcomes, I guess uh, the data contains 130,000 sports injuries in kids, which is, uh, like I said, the largest uh, data set to date. That's some quite huge numbers there. Mm. Um, how are you able to determine what was a sported related injury? And did they have to be on a sporting field or involved in a registered sporting body? Or was it just within recreation, physical activity in general? Okay, um, so the the way the hospital uh, data works is that uh, for every person that's admitted to hospital, uh, there's a minimum set of um, uh, coding that occurs for that admission. Uh, so all the admissions gets coded with a principal diagnosis, and uh, if that diagnosis is injury-related, uh, it's also coded with um, uh, what is termed a, a course, of, course of injury. Um, so from that data, we can actually uh, figure out which injuries, um, well, which admissions were injuries and which injuries uh, were sports injury related just based on the coding scheme. It's all based on the International Classification of Disease uh, version 10 or ICD-10 for short. <laughs> and from your research, there is some quite clear differences in between or between the gender and the age in relation to the injury types. Could you tell us a little bit about those findings? All right. In terms of the injury types, yeah, right. So um, in terms of the gender differences, first of all, in terms of the, the types of sports uh, responsible for creating those injuries, uh, team ball sports is uh, the largest um, culprit, uh, I guess is fair enough to say. Uh, in both genders, um, but the proportion of team ball sport injuries is much higher in males than it is for females, for instance. Um, on the flip side, uh, female uh, females tend to have higher proportions of um, 
uh, injuries from sports uh, activities that are more of uh, the uh, acrobatic uh, type as well as equestrian activities or horse riding stuff. Do you think this has uh, is in relation to what they are choosing to participate in? Yeah, for sure. It's it must be related to to the, sort of like the proportion of um, uh, uh, in, in terms of participation in those particular sports. So, I guess more males play more team ball sports uh, compared to females, uh, and. Um, uh, on the flip side, again, uh, females are probably more engaged in acrobatic sporting activities like gymnastics and cheerleading um, uh, and, uh, like I said, uh, horse riding. And what did we find within the age brackets there as well? Uh, in terms of the age differences, um, so um, we we subdivided uh, the um, 16 and below into three age categories, so the 0 to 5 uh, the six to eleven, and uh, and then eleven above, um, and as you might expect, the incidence of sports injury is not terribly high in the lowest age bracket, and it tends to increase with age. So, um, the incidence of sports injury is um, is an order of magnitude higher in in the um, in the oldest uh, age bracket compared to the lowest. And there's quite high costs involved uh, with these hospital missions as well. The average cost in your paper is said to be $3,058, if that's correct. Yeah, I think that's correct. Do you know where these costs are coming from? Yeah, uh, it's um, it's probably a little bit hard to generalise too much, but uh, given the fact that the majority of the injuries are orthopaedic in nature, so fracture injuries... Um, uh, if if we think about fracture injuries, the the major costs associated with a hospital admission related to a fracture injury is uh, to do with um, the surgery involved in perhaps uh, uh, putting in uh, screws and plates and and whatever else is necessary to to stabilize that particular fracture. So it's it's mostly like uh, uh, operation theatre cost, uh, I would assume, make up the bulk uh, of, of those costs. And probably imaging as the second one. Included in those costs, was there any post-hospital costs involved there, such as your rehabilitation? No, these are... These are in-hospital costs only as admitted patients. Um, some of that may include um, in-hospital rehabilitation, but that's usually for a relatively short duration and, um, and uh, these uh, patients do go on often to have quite extensive rehabilitation outside of the hospital or after discharge, uh, in which case uh, those costs are not included in our estimates. So it's it's um, I guess we're only scraping the tip of the iceberg uh, when it comes to the costs, just as we're scraping the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the incidents as well. But you know, it's only the worst injuries that end up in hospital, and for every um, I think for every hospital admission, uh, there's typically another ten kids ending up in the emergency department with a sports injury. Uh, and another 50 kids presenting to, say, primary care with a sports injury, um, and another 150 kids that received no treatment whatsoever. So, yeah, we're really only talking about the tip of the iceberg here. Wow, they're, they're very big numbers, and um, obviously something 
it does need to be done and, and to try and reduce this and combat these injuries within sport. Uh, you did mention that there's a or such as an injury prevention strategy that could be put into place. How do you think that this could be implemented? Oh, it's the million-dollar question that everyone would like to have an answer to. Um, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult to um, uh, to make significant change in this space because there's so many different variables and factors uh, at stake. It's a very complex system to try and, and make meaningful change within. Um, but I mean, the, there are we do have effective. Uh, injury prevention programs that actually do work and reduce uh, the burden of injuries. The problem is often um, not so much to do with the effectiveness of these programs, but these programs not being implemented sufficiently and it doesn't reach all the potential end users that should should receive these effective injury prevention programs. So making it easier or facilitating the rollout and the uptake um, of effective injury prevention programs, I think, uh, should be probably one of the major uh, priorities. And to help that happen, I think um, having a national uh, injury prevention plan or strategy in place just really helps with that uh, with that aspect of getting it out there to the ones um, that need it. Yes, of course. And do you have any further? plans to go with this research or any avenues you'd like to pursue next? Yeah, well, I, to be honest, I'd like to do it again. Um, um, it's important to keep monitoring um, the changes over time because um, that allows us to evaluate uh, whether uh, any of the interventions that we put in place is has actually had an effect or not. And um, the the data set that this research is based upon um, is is already out of date. To be fair, um, it's uh, it it only ran up until uh, the end of two thousand and twelve. Um, so we really don't know what's happened in the last six to seven years. So it's it's already time to redo this study. Um, the problem is that take a lot of time to do so for this particular data set it took about four years or just over four years to get all the data or first of all all the approvals uh, ethics approvals and so on and then to receive all the data from the various different data custodians around the different states and territories so it's very time consuming unfortunately um uh, but yeah I, i do think it would be useful to do this again um, uh, and monitor the next uh, 10-year block uh, of, um, of sports injuries uh, just to see what is happening with those trends. Fantastic. I can imagine that that would be changing, particularly with the, the huge encouragement that's going towards participation in sport and, and children uh, at the moment. So it would be very interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, the good news, I guess, is uh, in the um, last uh, uh, federal budget, uh, there was an allocation uh, made to develop a national injury prevention plan. Um, so that plan is currently under development. And uh, with any luck, it does. Uh, it will also include a, a, a section on, on sports injury prevention, hopefully. Um uh, and uh, and then fingers crossed uh, we'll have some meaningful positive change uh, in that regard. You mentioned the injury prevention 
strategies or programs, uh, what do you think in particular needs to be included in those to make them an effective outcome measure? Mm, yeah, so some of those um, effective injury prevention programs that are already in existence include um, uh, various types of neuromuscular exercises uh, and strength and condition exercises. Sometimes they're sport specific, but sometimes they're also generic. Um, and some of these have shown to reduce, uh, you know, severe knee injuries like uh, anterior cruciate ligament tears by 50%. And that's an extremely good reduction for um, a really bad injury. Um, so that's one one example uh, that we can include in our in our plans for for trying to reduce uh, sports injuries in kids. Other strategies would include um, probably increasing the focus on the need for for rest and restitutions uh, for for particularly active sporting kids. I think it's underappreciated uh, how important it is that these kids get enough rest in between training and competition. Um, adequate sleep is, a, is a really important to, to reduce the, the incidence of, of sports injuries. Of course, there's always the uh, uh, important uh, discussion around appropriate equipment. Um, it tends to be the first thing that people think about. Um, I wouldn't put that at the top of the list, but having the uh, appropriate equipment for the task, equipment that fits, uh, is is also very important to, to try and reduce uh, the risk of injuries, in particular in some sports. Yes, of course. I can understand that this perhaps would be focus highly your competitive and perhaps maybe towards your elite start athletes. Do you think it's also important to get that into your general active population and, and more of your recreation-based children? Yeah, I think uh, in particular the, the neuromuscular training uh, programs I think would be very helpful to have across the entire spectrum of level of play or competition, so from the community-based ones up to the elite setting. Um, these programs tend to first be introduced at the elite setting and then they tend to trickle down to the community settings, um, which try to copy what the elite people do. Uh, that's uh, uh, just the, the nature of how things work, I guess. Um, but yeah, definitely to to have it implemented in the community setting is the key to reducing the uh, the overall burden of sports injuries um, and reduce these big numbers. Do you think it would be useful to have some of these programs implemented within schools so every child has the opportunity to be exposed to them? Mm. Yeah, a controversial question, perhaps. Uh, uh, it's, it, add, it adds a layer of complexity when you talk about uh, uh, implementing changes in the school setting. Um, but, uh, yeah, of course, uh, some of these um, things are definitely applicable in the school sports setting as well. Um, in particular, things around the equipment uh, that I just mentioned, uh, having appropriate equipment is important having a safe environment, uh, so more the contextual aspects uh, are important, um, and adequate supervision is uh, often neglected. Um, injuries often occur when kids are not, not supervised adequately. Uh, so making um, those sorts of things would definitely apply to the school setting as well. All right, well, thank you for joining us today. 
Uh, This has been Maddie at Beyond the Paper and we will catch you next time.